And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today and listen when you want if you can't listen live overnight. The Red Eye Radio app, an exclusive service of Red Eye Radio. <laughs> Rebroadcasting re, re, re of the app is never prohibited. We insist that you share it. Oh, you made me think of uh, football. Congrats to the Chiefs and um, Philadelphia. I'm sorry. My and the other team. And, and, and Philadelphia. Did you see the controversy because the Empire, Empire State, State Building, State building yeah. put, in New York put out Philadelphia Eagles colors light colors yeah to highlight the empire state building be like what are you doing oh my gosh seriously when you look at it <laughs> that is one of those that's one of those moments where you just go are you kidding me <laughs> you know um we, we we know our friend uh uh dale is headed to work right now dale who is the public address announcer of the at uh at uh, burrowhead uh, arrowhead stadium yeah 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 I had to do that, Dale. If you're listening, that was mm. just for you uh, at uh, at uh, Arrowhead. So uh, mm. you know he's the guy whose voice you hear. You know, yeah, when you're at the stadium, yeah. So good, uh, great guy, great guy, and uh, happy for him and and uh, the Chiefs fans out there and and uh, Philly. My brother-in-law is a Chiefs fan. I I don't know why, but he is. He's raised in Texas. I but Chiefs fan. I th- I think it goes back to his dad, but it, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm an old. You know, as people ask, who do you, you know, who do you want? I didn't see any of the games over the weekend. I mean, it's. Uh, I just didn't. It was uh, got too close to going to sleep to go to work, so mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't see any of the 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 games. But I, I'm an old AFL guy, so I go back to uh, you know the. Uh, well, I don't remember when the Chiefs were the Dallas Texans. That was before my time. Mm-hmm. Remember before the. The, the Texans were in the American Football League, and then uh, when the the NFL said, "Well, can you believe it? The AFL was in Dallas before the NFL." Hmm. I mean, that's just that's mind-boggling when you think about that. Hmm. It's just like what you know, hmm. 
when people think of what sport do people think of, uh, you know, when you say Texas? Mm-hmm. Cricket? Oh, no, only in my town where we're building a cricket stadium. I was going to say competitive shooting, but I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then, you know, then uh, uh, Hunts moved the uh, uh, Chiefs to uh, to uh, to Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it was, I'm, it was uh, you know, the Jets won the first Super Bowl for the Old American Football League. And then it was Kansas City that won the second. So... With Hank, yeah. Str- with Hank Stram. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was when you were an old AFL person and you're talking about, you know, the old Bills, the old Boston, you know, the Bills of Boston Patriots and New York, well, New York Jets and after they were the New York Titans. And then, uh, you know, uh, Kansas, Kansas City and Oakland and San Diego Chargers and the Denver Broncos, you know, the sort of the original uh, AFL group. There's still a, if you're my age, there's still a little bit of a loyalty uh, there. And I still remember one of the greatest games ever, and it was a Kansas City loss. Mm. And if Dale's going to work, he might, well, I don't know if he'll remember it, but uh, it had to be 70. can't remember what year it was. They were playing Miami. They lost in the playoffs. I think it's the longest game, still the longest game ever, and the performance of Ed Podolak. My brother and I will never forget watching that game. So, uh, you know, as much as... Like I said, you know, when it comes to it, it's my, if my team isn't in, which they're not, it's like I sort of have to sort of go for the AFL. But then again, with Philadelphia, come on, Invincible, the movie. <laughs> yeah. With Mark Wahlberg, come on. <laughs> yeah. I And and the you know what I liked about that movie? Mm-hmm. Everybody, because it, remi- it really reminds you of any type of if you lived in any type of rust belt city it reminds you like the bars in that movie in invincible mm-hmm. you know and everybody com- completely depressed if their team <laughs> if their team loses i mean it goes right to their soul i mean it's not oh, i'm just a little bit mad it's like it goes to your soul and it stays with you day in and day out for the entire year <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i could relate to <laughs> Especially as a kid. Yeah. As an adult, I don't take it as serious. You know, it's, it's you know. Yeah. Um, I have adult things to worry about, but no. Nah, I don't have any investment at all. May the best team do whatever. <laughs> now, I will say one thing. Something that, that is, speaking of football, and uh, you saw that DeMar Hamlin put out a, a video mm-hmm. over the, uh, the, the weekend. And we didn't talk about it last week, but it is it, – if, if you were on social media, the number of the number of people, the conspiracy theories that when they showed a picture of him like through the glass at the Buffalo game the week before mm-hmm. was like a body double and it wasn't really him. <laughs> and the NFL yeah. is hiding yeah. the, the fact that and how come he hasn't made public appearances and it just pro- and the I mean, Eric, it was unbelievable. And I'm telling you. It, we it to me it was more evidence that we live in a nation that has more information at its fingertips and is just obsessed with the possibility that things aren't as they seem. And yeah. so that's not enough to say I'm going to investigate it to see it's coming to instant conclusions where my lack of evidence is my evidence of a conspiracy. 
Yeah, I think we can add to it uh, uh, further evidence uh, is that they're paying longtime uh, Bills fans who are on the radio to talk about it and also discount the conspiracy theory. That being you. I'm getting paid? Oh, yeah. Oh, by the team. And then, or by the NFL. Oh, okay, okay. They're claiming they don't get paid and then act surprised when someone says they're getting paid. (laughs) Everything you do can fit into any conspiracy theory, which is my point. Okay. That's why I'm I'm getting, I'm getting paid by the NFL. And they're paying even the Dallas Cowboys fan, which fan is a big word if you're applying it to me, to go along with it. Ugh. everything it doesn't matter which direction you go it's see i told you well no that was just proven wrong you think it's proven wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're just saying it's proven wrong because you were paid to say that it was proven wrong because you're a part <laughs> of the military industrial nfl complex the pentaveret i had to head the nfl to the military industrial pentaveret and and that's, you know, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, that's the world we're going to live in for a while. It really has ramped up here in recent months. Yeah, it really has. I mean, I just, yeah. and that just, because I saw a couple of them. And then, I don't know when it was, maybe Wednesday or Thursday of last week, it just blew up. Prove to me. That's a body double. That's not DeMar Hamlin behind the glass. It's a body double. Why is the NFL hiding his death? Well, you've really taken a leap there from the fact that the refraction off the glass, you know, made it so the figure was a little blurry Mm. to, okay, maybe that isn't him. Maybe it's somebody else and he's at home resting. Mm -hmm. You went from there to the NFL's hiding his death. Mm-hmm. which I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, I'm sure there's already the comparisons, you know, the video released. See, that's not him. Oh, speaking of sports, you see the New York Rangers. Mm. Uh, here's a headline. New York Rangers refrain from wearing pride-themed jerseys despite a pledge to do so. Everybody has their, you know, wow. their pride night now. The New York Guess Rangers they don't want to wear the ribbon. Hit the ice. Who won't wear the ribbon? <laughs> uh, hit the ice Friday night for warmups without their prime uh, pride themed gear. Mm. They had promised to wear leading up to the game. Well, the players probably didn't do it. The team probably said they were going to uh, mm. do it. Right. No, no, uh, no info as to why they did not. One player said, "Well, you don't know anything about it, and we don't, you know, we don't know." It, again, we talked about this with. Um, the uh, was the Pittsburgh Philadelphia player. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's getting to the point of just being ridiculous. It's like I don't have to celebrate. I can be. I don't care. Because mm-hmm. you know something, I really don't care. I I'll, don't care I'll, one way or the other. Right. I'll I'll talk about societal impacts and how I believe that. But you and your personal life, whatever you wish, I could care less. But don't tell me I have to celebrate it. Don't be stupid. I don't need to celebrate anything. Well, beyond that, it's the forced celebration. That's what I mean, the forced yeah. celebration. Why, why would you, why would anybody want people who are forced to be there and fake that they're celebrating 
to be a yeah. part of it. Why would you call for that? And why would you, in fact, why would you not stand up and say, we don't actually want this? <laughs> Columnist Andrew Sullivan, who is gay, said that last week. Yeah, why? Where's this coming from? This forced celebration, right? Of 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 what? Right. You know, I don't need to celebrate. And and again, as you know, remember the NHL. Remember the T is now part of it. Mm-hmm. And as the NHL put out what was in the last month, a trans man is a man. A trans woman is a woman. Mm-hmm. Now. You're involved in not just saying, I should celebrate uh, your your uh, sexual identity, but that I must also celebrate the unscientific fact that a man can be a woman if the man says so, mm-hmm. and a woman may be a man if the woman says so. That's a whole different ballgame. And the NHL has gone big woke time. And I have no idea where this came from in the NHL, but, man, it just hit big time over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, again, uh, you want to take on that as an organization. Let's see how many actual participants you have at the end of it. I forgot it was David Harsani or somebody wrote. He goes, I can guarantee you that nobody in the stands cares to celebrate that. It's it's not even on their mind. They're coming to see a hockey game. Right. Me celebrating your sexuality. Right. Because that's where it's come down to now. The pride is in the, you know, well, it's in diversity. Play the game. Well, diversity of what? Play the game. If, you know, I'm not going to discriminate you. Uh, you should get all the rights I get. I'm not going to discriminate against you in the workplace unless uh, it uh, unless it's religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if, uh, you know, that's the exception under the Constitution. But I don't need to celebrate. It's like you celebrating something about me. Yeah. I don't want to force you to celebrate. Why do you want me to force to be forced to celebrate something for you? Well, especially and- now when it comes to the unscientific part of the liberal transgender activist movement that the NHL wants to lie about mm-hmm. over and over and over again. A trans man is not a biological man. A trans woman is not a biological woman. Stop lying, National Hockey League. Stop being stupid. Because that's what it is. It's stupid. And they were one of the sports that were the last to go woke on the whole thing. Yeah. If you think of it. Yep. Yeah, they stayed out of the national anthem thing. They were out of that. And this is what they decide. Again, it's, you know, the, uh, you know, the same thing that, you know, DeSantis was talking about. You wish to die in this hill? Right. You wish to die in the hill of, of unscientific. You are forced to celebrate Something that's unscientific with us. I don't know why and the you pressure want... is there with the players to do so. Tell me that's tell me that's a true celebration. Well, it's not. <laughs> and there's zero reason for having anybody as a part of your celebration that doesn't want to be there. Right. But 
I guess they believe it'll sell tickets at the NHL. Well, you know, there's a number of there's people that look at it and go, look, I'm against what you believe. Mm-hmm. There are other people that say, I'm ambivalent, but don't force me to celebrate. Well, that's, there, that's there, the whole thing. There's a that? ton of people that go, I don't care, don't, you know, but don't force me to do something. Right. And there's the people that absolutely believe that you should be forced to celebrate. Mm-hmm. There's a wide spectrum of beliefs out there, but most people feel too intimidated to say anything about it. And the NHL was clearly at some point, they felt pressured to do something about it officially. Yeah. Now they claim the players aren't forced to do it, but you see the you see the pushback now from the left. Wait a minute, the player you you must wear the ribbon. Mm-hmm. That's where we are right now. We're back at a Seinfeld episode with the NHL. You must wear the ribbon, and it's a joke. The whole thing is a joke. Yeah, it is. Eight six six ninety red eye. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Have your batteries inspected by a professional technician if you smell any unusual or strong odors coming from the battery box. A pungent odor could indicate chemicals are escaping from a damaged or overcharged battery. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Let's go to Paul in Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Paul, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio uh, about uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the National uh, Hockey League. Uh, welcome. Hi. Hi. How are you guys doing this morning? Very good. good. I've been listening to this, and um, I want to know when the players are going to just say, we've had enough, and they're not going to dress. You know, they're getting pushed into this stuff that they don't want to do. Well, as I as I stated, yeah, as I stated, the NHL has said the players can do what they want; they don't have to do it, and this is why we don't know if that's the reason why uh, the Rangers didn't come out, uh, you know, with what they were supposed to wear in warm ups or whatever. But the NHL has said, and this is where the problem's going to be: the NHL has said the players don't have to do it if they have religious objections or whatever; they don't have to. But you saw the pressure when that. Philadelphia player didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the left went crazy, and now the left's going crazy again because the Rangers didn't do it, but the team said so. Well, the team may sell or may say we want to do it, but they're not forcing the players to do it. Well, the left's not going to have any of that. Everybody has to be on board. You must wear the ribbon. Everybody well, must wear the ribbon. And it's not going to be a you know half measure. There is no half measure for the left. Right. It's got to be full on. So that's where it is, but the left's not going to the left's not going to give up if they can't force the players to do it. They're not going to stop screaming, right? Until the NHL says, "Okay, we're just dropping this. We're not look. Everybody, go celebrate whatever you want. We're going to play hockey." Right. 
And we're going to do the traditional things. We ultimately, do. The, the question is, is how does it, you know, um, interrupt TV money or ticket sales or anything else? Ultimately, if the left is going to push this to the fullest extent, yeah. if it's going to be ever present at every hockey match, then you're going to see some pushback from a number of people who are watching or attending. There's no way it doesn't happen. And so, I mean, that's the thing. The left's just going to go crazy until the they, the NHL either succumbs completely or... Right. And I don't think that's going to happen because the NHL Players Association probably won't allow that, so they give the players a choice. But the pressure will be on... On the league. Yeah. Fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. The other thing is, too, since, uh, and we had said this a long time ago to the uh, uh, liberal uh, gay groups out there years ago, do not allow the liberal transgender activist movement to join you. Remember, we had said that a long time ago, we mm-hmm. gave them the warning. We were giving advice to everybody, even on the left, as we always do. And because the NHL now, by promoting the liberal transgender activist movement and saying what they have said, is now a misogynist is promoting misogyny. Yeah. They're actively promoting it because the liberal transgender activist movement is the movement that is promoting men playing women's sports. The NHL is behind that. It is a, it is a, as we have said, it's femophobic. It's women hating. That's what it's about. Yep. And so they've opened themselves up to that accusation uh, and legitimate, le- legitimately so because we have seen what has gone on in the liberal transgender activist movement Fully supported by Democrats, by the way. Well, more and more women do not have a place. Right. And the NHL, in their first to promote liberal diversity, is promoting the exact opposite. They are promoting the misogyny of the liberal transgender activist movement. Now, speaking of where that liberal circular firing squad might lead to, mm. because you see liberals are coming out now slowly. You see that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, what about women? What about women? What about women? And you see that now is starting to grow. Let's continue with our liberal circular firing squad here. <sighs> Man, this is, this is the best ever. California's reparations task force... Met again last Friday in San Diego with public comment from speakers who urged bold action and for the state to go forward with payments to African-Americans as repayment for slavery. 
After comments by Dr. Shirley Weber, California Secretary of State, one speaker blasted the suggested amount of $223,000 per resident as insufficient. Well, we knew that was going to happen. Hey, San Francisco's talking about $5 million. Right. What do you mean, 223000 We knew this was going to happen. Reverend Tony uh, Pierce came to the microphone and slammed the idea of limiting the cash payments to California residents. Now, he may be on to something here. Okay. There should be no residency requirements for California. We have to encourage our people to come back to California. Oh. And what better way to encourage our people to come back to California if we have no requirements? His message, since people are leaving California, pay them to come back. Uh huh. <laughs> because the San Francisco <clears throat> idea is for long time residents. Right. And California would have stipulations too. So you need to come, if you come <clears throat> back, if we take those stipulations off and you just come back to California, you'll get it. Now, yes. Now, Let's imagine that they applied this also to the San Francisco idea. Just follow me here. Of the five million. If those individuals then moved back to California, got the five million dollars, and then wanted to leave California, would California tax them because they left? <laughs> I'm just asking questions. I, I don't think it would reach the fifty million dollar. <laughs> Well, because well, well it's, to... but it eventually it's going to be dwindled down to anybody with That's any true, money right. whatsoever. How much money you got in your pocket there, sir? As you <clears throat> uh, as you pack up your U-Haul to leave, the state wants to tax anybody leaving. Maybe they should try that—a reverse toll road. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. At the state line. <laughs> how will reparations? How will reparations be paid? He added. Immediately mm -hmm. after being told his time is up, Pierce yelled at the audience, and 200000 is not enough. 223000 is not enough. It's not. In December, one attendee at the task force meeting called for 350000 per eligible individual uh, California resident. And Civil Justice Association of California member Marcus Champion called for direct cash payments tax-exempt status, uh -huh. free college education, grants for home ownership, business grants, access to low to no business funding and capital. He called for the creation of the Office of American Freed uh, Freedmen Affairs to handle eligibility on reparations. So this, this guy wants cash, tax-exempt status. Is that like for everything? Tax-exempt status, free college education, grants for home ownership, business grants, access to low-interest uh, 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 low business funding and capital. Hmm. Oh, excuse me. Access to no-interest business funding hmm. and capital, which means free money to start a business. Right. So this is what happens when you give an inch. <laughs> To the left, 
It keeps adding up and adding up. Well, Just take I, care. But, no, that's not enough. Cradle to grave. Take care of everything. I have no risk whatsoever. Well, in life. And and here's the question. Why would you ever stop the flow of money once you've started? Because what you're saying is, is that if, if you're saying, well, it would be a one-time payment. Well, wait a minute. You're saying that the oppressed will no longer be oppressed after we've made this one-time payment. You're saying it will end all oppression. And you can't make that claim. This is the problem when you start something like this is that you have to draw a line somewhere. And exactly where would you draw that line? The website also cautions anyone expecting quick action in 2023, uh, saying uh, any reparations program would need to be enacted by the legislature and approved by the governor. The reparations task force role is to develop recommendations for future legislative action. Therefore, at this time, there is no claims process at the moment. The New York Post reported last week that San Francisco was considering a one-time payment of $5 million to each black resident of the city deemed eligible. Now, since we told you this like 10 years ago, that because of the cost of living and the taxes in San Francisco, that you had uh, uh, the experts looking at it and saying that San Francisco, because uh, of their high cost of living, will be an almost all-white city. Mm-hmm. The white, rich elite. Yes. Only they could afford yeah, well, to live there. Right. So uh, how many five millions will they have to pay out by the time they finally come up with their reparations program would be the, uh, the, the question. The California Reparations Task Force has till July 1st uh, to report to the state legislature with recommendations. Okay. I, I'd like to see, a, I've, I haven't seen a poll on this in California yet. I have not either. And, but, but the political questions are very clear. Do you or do you not support this? From the governor all the way down through the entire legislative body. And since it is primarily Democrat, what do those Democrat lawmakers say? Because I'm sure I haven't, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm certain that the governor is, uh, Governor Newsom, all for it. But at some point, somebody has to draw the line and say, well, we can't do everything that's being proposed. So at some point, you've got to say no. See, this is the difference between saying you're a champion for a cause and then actually following through. When people ask you, okay, do you believe this should be done? And you say yes. Well, you're in power, so get it done. Just reading here uh, from Arizona Central. This came out uh, in middle December. Solid blue California of all places may be where identity politics go to die if reparations are defeated in California, one of the nation's most populous and diverse states. It could be the death knell for identity politics. 
California is one of a dozen states that now aims to address historic wrongs against African-Americans through a massive transfer of wealth to black communities. Momentum for reparations drew strength uh, after the George uh, Floyd murder. The outrages led progressive Democrats across the nation uh, pushing reparations in cities, states, and in Congress. Reparations have always been a hard sell. But the Black Lives Matter movement has given it uh, new momentum and Democrats committed to social justice say the time is now. It could cost California billions. I'm looking for the polling here. Hmm. They had some polling um, numbers. Uh, Reparations, okay, are deeply unpopular in America. According to 2021 Pew Research Center survey, 68% of Americans oppose them while only 30% Express support, African-Americans favorite 77 to 17, but other groups including white 80 to 18, Hispanics 58 to 39, and Asians 65 to 33 are strongly opposed. With such opposition from larger ethnic groups and with blacks underrepresented in the state, only 6.5% of the California population versus 13.6 nationally uh, Mm. of a black population as compared to the uh, to the uh, the total in there. Uh, in fact, only two years ago, Californians overwhelmingly defeated ballot Proposition 16. We had talked about this, which have allowed state and local governments to use race and gender as factors in public college admissions, government jobs, and contracting. The, in, the outcome wasn't closed. Affirmative action proposition went down 57 to 43, mm. despite proponents outspending opponents 14 to 1. Golden State voters did the same, uh, did this in the same year. They were voting Joe Biden, 64 to 34. As we had said, the weird thing was in California in that election, they voted for Joe Biden, but everything that Joe Biden believed in, they voted against. Right. Well, California uh, twice voted against gay marriage. Yeah. So there you go. Well, the interesting thing is once you start, you, you can break it down. It's like, do you like, do you want free health care? Well, yeah. Who right. does it? Well, it's yeah. not free. Right. Do you want reparations? Yeah. Well, it's going to cost this much and you're going to have, your taxes are going to go up this right. amount because of it. Your right. taxes will go up. Right. And in order to do that, I mean, state taxes would have to go through the roof. There's no way around that. So ask the question. All right. A dollar more per gallon. Would you be willing to pay? And that's where the the breakdown happens. And there's no way around it. And politically, how do you answer the question? Are you for this? Well, if you're Governor Newsom, you have to say, yes, I support this. Then get it done. Your party is expected to deliver. Interesting. I'm reading this here. Uh, Part of the problem with the woke project is that it's inherently divisive. Intersectionality ultimately pits different minority groups against one another because there's kind of a hierarchy of victimhood. Oh, right. Great point. Hmm? What about other minorities who are oppressed? What are you going to do there? 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Personalized savings on commercial truck insurance. Central. 
that the uh, the New York Times readership is 91% Democrat or Democrat-leading, according to a 2019 survey from the Pew Research Institute. But most of the comments on California's reparations are negative, arguing mm-hmm. that they would either go too far or not far enough. Few spoke favorably of the effort. Some of the comments, you forgot to mention Latinos, whose country used to own California uh, uh, before the USA appropriated it. Do they have to pay What about reparations for Native Americans? I wish California would compensate the many hundreds of thousands of Asians and their American-born descendants. Mm. Let's have reparations for women, all women of color, religions, and ages who have been paid less for the same work. What they're saying is you create a... There would be no end. Yeah, there's, there's no end to it because once you do one, then every marginalized group says, to be fair, we need reparations. And that's the problem. This is what we have been asking yep. from the beginning. How do you do that? This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. All across America we are and around the entire world. You can download our Red Eye Radio app today. If you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where you want on our app. So I'm just thinking here because we were doing the reparation story and in in, uh, in in California and talking about the ultimate in the liberal circular uh, uh, firing squad because nobody will be happy. And the uh, the Pew Research uh, from uh, 2019, looking at the New York Times, 91% readership, and then looking at the comments when they run articles on reparations that are <laughs> almost entirely against doing it. And why? Because other marginalized groups say, well, if they get money, we should get money. And it's not fair if they... <laughs> and it's like... Then everybody, and and since you've created a a Democratic Party of all victims, and you've convinced them they're all victims, yeah, <laughs> that all the all victims want uh, reparations. But I was thinking that if this did go through, for example, and you know they were talking about the two hundred twenty three thousand uh, per person eligible for reparations in in California, could you imagine? A year after they hand that out, if it happened, and I'm not necessarily sure that it will happen in California, but let's say it, <laughs> let's say it happened. Could you imagine a year later, as they took an analysis of all those people and found that 95 percent of those people who got two hundred twenty-three thousand dollars moved to Texas, where two hundred twenty-three thousand can actually still buy you something? Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean you look at the median cost of a house. And that would be a huge chunk of it in Texas as opposed to uh, a minimal down payment in, in California. And, and then we're, you and I were talking about the five million that has come up for San Francisco, five million per person eligible for reparations in San Francisco that was first thrown about. And we said, yeah, yeah, go do that one. Uh, but five million? Could you imagine? There would be stipulations on those reparations. You can't leave the state. Leave we'll the sta- tax the daylights out of you, <laughs> like they want to do the wealthy. <laughs> you can't leave the state. 
all products that you buy must be produced in the state of California. Part of that $5 million must be to buy an electric vehicle. <laughs> right. I mean, there'd be stipulations. Right. For $5 million, right. there'd be stipulations across the board. Right. Because if there aren't, imagine that there weren't. Oh. Let's just write the check and be done. Then let's see what happens. Seriously. Trace the dollars as to if, where they actually go. If you got $5 million, you live in, you, you have, you don't have much. No. You can barely survive. You get $5 million. Are you staying in San Francisco? Nope. No. <laughs> I'm going to take that to where the money counts, where it, it will go a long way. Well, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, in San Francisco, $5 million is nowhere near enough. It's so expensive to live there. What can you buy in San Francisco for $5 million? I, I was telling you during the break. I can see that this thing is going to backfire so big that eventually the le- legislature is going to go, look, we came to a deal. Every eligible person for reparations gets $223,000 in lottery tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, it's, it's about the best we can do. It's it's about all we can do. We well, it's... And- Oh, from the beginning, I've been asking the question, what about other marginalized groups? How do you justify saying, okay, this marginalized group gets this and the rest get zero? What you're saying is there are no other problems, right? Mm -hmm. If you've gotten to the point of issuing money to acknowledge problems... At the hands of the state. What you're saying is the state isn't guilty at all. And there are no other problems when it comes to other marginalized groups. Now, good luck with that. If they were to get closer and closer to this. I would love to see the back and forth. Not just the polls. No. Man, take... Take this out for a, a, a good debate season, right? Oh. Televised debates. Just get on uh, a TV with a um, with a, a, a town hall style discussion. And let's see what questions come about. Well, you know, when we were reading before some of the uh, comments that uh, uh, appeared in the, uh, the, the New York Times, according to the Pew Research Center, back in 2019 and they did the analysis at 91 percent of the readership is is democrat that reads the new york times not surprising mm. and the they but the the uh, the comments on reparations were completely negative and one of them was and and you figured this would be one <laughs> wait a minute california came into the union in 1850 as a free state they weren't a slave state and they actually had the list of they actually had people that commented said that exact same thing and said, "Wait a minute, California's going to pay reparations and the South isn't." Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's not fair. Why do we have to pay for what they did? Well, oh man, I mean, but, you just but that you... brings about the um, the idea that we we talked about earlier, and that is that it shouldn't be limited. To long-term residents, essentially anybody who wants to come here to California, 
that qualifies otherwise should come here in order to get the reparations. The idea there is we want to carry the bill, we want to foot the bill on reparations for any and every other state. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yep. And since, we'll add to this, since they are a sanctuary state, then can you move to California and become a legal resident? Well, I mean, that or was, are they going to yeah. say that it's only for U.S. citizens? I'm just asking questions. Well, the one uh, a minister who was an activist for the reparations got up there and said it shouldn't be to just people that are here. You know, uh, his, in California now. Yeah. yeah, his message was: Look, we've lost a lot of people. You can bring them all back by saying, "Come to California and get a half a million dollars." Right. That'll bring people. That'll bring people back very quickly, back and then gone again. But seriously, if well, you if, if you got if you it's I don't believe it's going to happen in California. I think that they're even if the legislature passed it and the governor did it, that you'd immediately get a referendum, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that that would go up for a referendum in California. Right. Right. Big time. And uh, but could you imagine if you're in California and you don't have much and you get two hundred twenty three thousand? What a great opportunity to move. Right. Because that can do. A, a much more good for you in another state. Okay, you the, just yeah, you just phrase something. You fra- the way you phrase it uh, is is applies here because you think about the individuals who live in California or New York, but for the sake of this discussion, California, but can't afford to move elsewhere. Yes, one of the biggest problems of people not being able to get out of you know the situation they're in. Is they so, don't have the money to get out. So now you pay them reparations, and then they go. They go, yeah. They take that money to another state. Yep. I now have the money to move. I didn't have the money to move. And we've talked about that. The rich can move. Yep. Yep. The average person right now would look at moving and say, "My God, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm renting, or the or my house really isn't paid off." I've paid a ton of interest on it, but not mm-hmm. a lot of principal yet. Right. Uh, I can't afford to move across and start over again. You get two hundred twenty-three thousand dollars, and it's non-tax. It's not taxed. I'm out. Yep. Because that would be the reasonable thing to do. That would be the logical thing to do. The, well, You're going to give me. You, you give me this huge chunk of cash i'm either going to spend it very quickly here in california or i it could it could mean something to me long term possibly retirement or something else somewhere else everybody wouldn't move of course but a significant portion would not based on our opinion but based on economics why you have an incentive to move now. Yeah. You have a great incentive to move. Number one, you couldn't move before. You didn't have the money to even think about moving. Right. Well, now, not only do you have that money to move, but you have money to go to another state, have a little bit of, go to a state like Texas, find a job, and probably still have 
quite a six-figure lump sum mm-hmm. to put a down payment on a home and still have money left over to start your retirement plan. Right. Right? Yeah. Yep. So it's not an opinion. It's economics. Right. Economics is human beings responding to incentive. So not all will go, but many will. Because people's incentives can be different depending on the situation where you're in, you know, in your life. And what your if everybody if everybody who is eligible and there is no there is no uh, salary range on it. Or is there was there going to be a salary range like one hundred and fifty thousand or something a year? I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember if there is. If there isn't, then, you know, people's incentive would be different. But if it's for, you know, uh, most people that if you make under 100000 in California, well, then a significant portion will take that money and go, especially if it's non-taxable. The only way to prevent that is to make the payments uh, annual payments. Wow. Wow. 10000 a year for the next... 23 years. Right. That's the only way to keep people from moving. But that San Francisco would be 5,000 lumps or 5 million lumps. Huh? Mm. We know that. Right. That's what they were talking about. Wow. Because otherwise people go. Coming up, parental reparations. Wait to hear this story. Okay. 86690 Red Eye. And now an egg exciting song asking the musical question. How do you like your eggs? Well, some might say they'd like their eggs a little less pricey, especially after this past year when retail egg prices caused shell shock going up by 32%, mostly because of avian influenza causing the loss of millions of chickens. But if you're hoping for egg prices to ease downward in 2023, you may be disappointed. In fact, our forecasting model suggests that we will see a 27.3% price increase for eggs. On top of last year's increase, USDA economist Matt McLaughlin says he knows that 27% forecast sounds radical, but with bird flu still causing losses across the country. I don't think that this number is out of bounds. He says he doesn't see egg prices going down this year. Unless we see influenza disappear or a very good remedy comes into place. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. I said parental reparations. This isn't money paid to parents it's the opposite way coming from the parents listen to this a poll measured uh a, a poll has measured how many millennials now that's right now people the, between the ages of 27 and 42 uh are getting their bills paid by their parents the one poll survey conducted on behalf of chartway credit union found that 24% of millennials said their parents pay their rent. Now, they don't say specifically whether it's their rent at home. It does seem like, because they did separate that later on, saying 
uh, 18 to 29, they, they talked about the number of people that were living with their parents. And so they're separating that from rent. They say that's slightly higher, the 24% of millennials that say their parents pay their rent, that's slightly higher than the 19% of all adults who say their parents pay their rent. What does that mean, all adults? What does all adults go to? <laughs> if you have a parent? <laughs> Any get, age. I need to get dad on the line. Dad, yeah. send some cash down here. I want a bigger place. I didn't even know this was possible. <laughs> No, I neither did I. I. I've been paying my own rent like a chump. So 19% of all adults say their parents pay their rent. Another 19% of all adults say their parents pay for their groceries. And 16% said their parents pay for their utilities. 39% of millennials said they struggled to find information and other resources to help with their finances. Other resources like like an extra job? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever, I don't believe, you know, they always say the kids should take a finance course where they learn how to pay their bills and budget and everything else. Mm-hmm. I never took a course. <laughs> well, I understood the very basics of what a course would teach, and it would be, do you like having electricity? And my answer would be yes. <laughs> Then pay your bill in full and pay it on time. And of course, do you like living in this dwelling? Answer once again, yes. Then, unless you want to get kicked to the curb, pay your rent. Uh, Chartway Credit Union President and CEO Brian Schools said the polls showed that adults need more financial education. No, they need to get thrown out of their apartments more if they don't know how it works. (laughs) Conflicting data such as this tells us a lot more adults could benefit from some form of financial education, whether it's provided in schools, online, or by their financial institutions. No, if you, by that age, if you haven't learned it, only the world can teach it to you. (laughs) And the world is a cold, hard truth i will tell you this the only thing my because it was my dad when it came to finances i did get i did get my financial education from my father all right it took less than a minute though i didn't need an online course it was like whatever you make i don't care what you make put some away and he knew what my response was going to be but you know i can't afford to No, no you can You'd be amazed what you can live without. Mm-hmm. If it's only $5 a week, you put $5 away. Mm-hmm. You put $10 away. Pay yourself first. You put you put, you put put something away, and then everything else goes to every bill that you have. And what you have left, then you, you budget whether you can save it or do whatever. Yeah. But the first thing you do is you automatically goes, you get it taken out of your pay. It's automatically gone. Right. And now with 401ks, you can... You can do that easier. But at that point, he was just saying, because you used to be able to do it work like a savings thing where they would take out five or ten dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, this right. goes back to when five or ten dollars was actually significant. It was actually <laughs> when, when, my, you, when, uh, my, it, when my dad started in the workforce. If uh, you were to if you were to see back then for for the young people of today, 
if we were to see a $5 bill on the ground, we would take the time to pick it up. Yeah, exactly. So that's what my father was dealing with that right after the revolution. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the American revolution. Yes, right. Uh, but, <laughs> Not the Buffalo revolution. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah, I mean, so, you but know, it's, it was it was very simple. It's like, you know, don't and well, it's survival. Live, live, live beneath your means. Live beneath your means. It's survival instincts. Yeah. If I don't make my bills, I don't get to live here. You know, I mean, I don't think you need a course for that. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carling. and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Might as well talk about this because I really, I thought that really this weekend is when you can make the case that the Republican campaigning began, not only because Trump, uh, was uh, was out there at uh, two uh, uh, campaign locations. They called them a rally. It was one was more of a fundraiser, and the other one was sort of to organize, you know, the South Carolina infrastructure. It was invite only, so it wasn't the right. typical kind of rallies. Right. You know, so when I saw rally, I went, "Oh, really? Rally? Well, those weren't really rallies." And, no. But they were still campaign. They were still campaign appearances. Right. And uh, you know, he. Uh, um, you know, had some things to say when it came to other possible candidates. He went after DeSantis and said DeSantis is disloyal because he wouldn't have won his first uh, term as governor if he didn't ride, you know, Trump's coattails. But then also you have, you know, Nikki Haley out there took a swing at, at him. And that's the head. I'm reading the headline. Haley swings at Trump. Don't need to be 80 to lead. And then Pompeo. Uh, over the, uh, the, the weekend going after Nikki Haley. And, you know, he claims he was told that she was trying to weasel in to be vice president mm-hmm. and out uh, and get, get Pence out of there. And, uh, then, uh, he went after, also went after John Bolton. Uh, and, and he said too many people weren't on the team. So I'm like, okay, he's, Pompeo's taking a swipe at a little bit of a swipe at Nikki Haley because, you know, it's, he hasn't announced yet, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's, thought that you know he may run and the and the book is a part of it also nikki haley there's the thought she hasn't officially announced but that she's going to run also and i just thought i go okay there's the uh there's the first uh couple of days now of campaigning for the republican primary the primary in its infancy because only one person has announced and it was trump and i did see a headline trump may announce this week for a third time <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I've been so busy, I don't remember the second time, but uh, I just saw that headline. But I just, I thought it's really going to be interesting. You, again, when there's the stories out there that, uh, that, uh, DeSantis is getting his team, uh, together and that he does plan on running, but he hasn't announced yet. Uh, and you just wonder, what is the strategy going to be? You know, will they, will, uh, 
will somebody like a Pompeo or Nikki Haley, will will they go after Trump hard? And how will they go after him? Because you know he is if he believes you're going to be a threat, he's going to come after you. Mm-hmm. That's why he's going after DeSantis. He does view DeSantis as a threat. Mm-hmm especially, for example, in some of the early primary states where the polls show he's up in New Hampshire and up significantly, DeSantis is in New Hampshire uh, without announcing. So you just you just wonder. It's going to be fascinating to see where they all go. You know, can you, if, if you're going to run against somebody like Donald Trump, who you know, well, here's the difference. He's no longer the outsider. Is he viewed as an outsider still, though? I think he still has some of that. Yeah, I, I think forever he will retain I, some of that. I was, you know, I, when I said that, I said, you know, he's not an outsider, and then I stopped and went, no, he is sort of an outsider. Thinking he is sort of still an outsider. Yeah, I, I think especially <laughs> because, in part, because of what the Democrats threw at him. If you think about mm-hmm. it, uh, the whole. Uh, Russian collusion scandal and, and all of that. And, um, you know, it, these were the major hoaxes that they threw at him. And then both of the impeachments were bogus to the core. And yet still, you know, he didn't flinch through that entire thing. And I think a lot of people see that as standing up to establishment. The ones that are left you know, in his core base. Now the question is, where do you spend the money? There are things that he couldn't do this past weekend because he's already officially announced in terms of money. Uh, Once he was in November 15th, then everything after that, he has to abide by all the election spending rules and everything else. So the question becomes, because after the Mar-a-Lago raid, there was substantial grassroots funding coming in. Now, that was short-lived, but it did happen. And the question is, can he still do that? Can he attract the big donors? And can he attract the grassroots? And... The two stops over the weekend were were not about, you know, massive rallies. But at some point, you would expect to see a massive rally from him. And when you're doing it officially as a candidate, then at that point, the game changes. And the question is, can he fill whatever venue it is for the rally? And then beyond that, can he get the support of the parties? This is what he was looking at with both New Hampshire and their state Republican Party and South Carolina. Because there are some in South Carolina that were saying, some in the party, that are saying, "Mm, it's time to move on. And we want somebody, and it's not really about age, but we want somebody who's going to set the tone for the Republican Party now and then for years from now. So sounds like they're describing someone like DeSantis. Now, they didn't say that. But the question is, where is that support on the state level? I think what you saw over the weekend, 
and if we were to hear everything of, of what was going on behind closed doors and conversations there, I think in part it's it is the handshake that you need to do with each of the Republican parties inside each of the states. Each state, yeah. And and it's also the testing of the waters. You know, he did this with evangelicals in 2016. And evangelicals were not on board Trump uh, for Trump it, it, in the primary season of 2016. Once he was the candidate, they got on board. And many of them would tell you that because the left wants to take everything away from us, then there's no doubt we're going to support, you know, Donald Trump isn't an, uh, uh, isn't perfect, but there's no doubt we're going to support him. Now the question is where you are right now, uh, outside of evangelicals, but any voter or would-be voter on the right. This is where you've got to start. And we're not even, we're not even talking independence yet. So where do they stand with him? It doesn't matter what the polls show. It breaks it down to this is why you got to work the states. You've got to get your ground game in order. And I think what you saw this past weekend was the start of that. We, he needs to shake some hands within the party. I asked the question last week when it came out that Pence had documents. And he goes, Trump goes on his social media platform, Truth Social, and says, Basically, leave Mike Pence alone. The guy has never knowingly done anything wrong in his life. And I thought, wow. And, 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 you know, that's the thing. Now, the big threat, as you mentioned, to Trump right now in the GOP is not Mike Pence. It's Governor DeSantis. Right. And, and, you know, who knows? I mean, Pence, Pence, uh, uh, may run. I mean, we've seen the polling. He doesn't poll very high. Uh, and, I, you know, I just I look at it and I see, you know, Nikki Haley basically going after him because of his age. And I went, well, I don't think that with a with a Biden that may have an effect. But people still voted for Biden, knowing that he probably didn't have all of his cognitive abilities. They still vote. Independents still voted for him. So yeah. is eight does eight remember, you know, during the time of Obama, age seemed to matter. We need the young. We need the youth. Nobody talks about that anymore. Right. You never hear that. You never hear, oh, I want somebody who is younger. People may say that, but do they actually vote that way? And I don't, you know, and when she started out with that, I went, really? And now I know that, you know, I don't know if she was prepared or how much lead up time there was to Trump announcing he was going to South Carolina. And that's why, you know, he was in her state and, and she took that shot at him about his age. And I'm like, that's pretty weak. But then I saw Pompeo you know, over the weekend going after Nikki Haley and John Bolton. Now, Bolton said he may run. Yeah, well, good luck. Well, I, but I, I'm i not saying Bolton has a chance. <laughs> I, I guess my I'm point, not <laughs> I, 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 I guess my point is Pompeo already going after Nikki Haley and John Bolton and, 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 and going after them by stating, well, you weren't on Trump's team. I'm running for president, but you weren't on Trump's team. Well, if you run, <laughs> you're not on Trump's team anymore. So I just thought it was interesting how it all started out. You know, what is about 12 days ago, the story in the New York Times that uh, Republicans, the Republican leaders now are now sitting um, uh, down with the actual networks. You know, they're not going to deal with the Commission on Presidential Debate. So they're sitting down with the networks 
individually right. trying to right. for the primaries. Right. Yeah. That would that would the primary debates that would start this summer. Interesting. I mean, yeah, uh, they have they're they're in talks with ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, uh, Newsmax, News Nation, and CNN. Mm-hmm. So they're consi- now. Are they considering CNN because this isn't this isn't about the commission on presidential debates picking the host. This is the RNC going in and saying, here's what we want. They already have their list of demands down as to what they want to make it, you know, uh, hopefully more fair. I'm always highly doubtful that they can do it. You know, when would be the time where they could sit there in the RNC and the DNC can run their own and just put it on YouTube? <laughs> no, I think that's I, I think that's quite possible. Just do, and, and, and so you're not you don't even use any of their moderators, you know, because the moderators themselves you know, can be can be biased. Use your own. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because I don't know what the negotiation ultimately looks like. In the past, we would have said, all right, um, we get to choose one and the other side gets to choose one. Well, what does that look like? Because back in the day, the GOP may have chosen Chris Wallace. <laughs> which would be a horrible choice. And we believe that to be the case for a long time. But if if you're breaking it down, because the problem is the cult of personality inside these media newsrooms. And I don't care who they are. They're going to want to make a, they're going to want to make a moment for themselves. It doesn't matter who they are. They're going to want to do that. So how do you do that? Well, sometimes you do that with, by going against the grain. Well, if it's Fox, I think they should have uh, one of the questionnaires, two questionnaires. One would be Dan Bongino mm-hmm. and uh, the other <laughs> would be Shower Guy. Geraldo. <laughs> Geraldo. Yeah. <laughs> they'd never ask. They'd be fighting with each other. They'd, yeah. They'd be, well, that was an interesting debate. Now, next time we may bring some of the primary candidates yeah, into the debate candidates <laughs> to get a choice a, a chance to talk <laughs> but you notice msnbc is not in there no 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 and but i still with abc you know remember nbc you're still chuck todd's going to be the moderator well again who's, I, who I, are you going to find at abc or cnn yeah, and i know you know i mean who are you going to get at Fox News? News Nation, they could use Cuomo. <laughs> How about Cuomo and Cuomo? <laughs> the former governor and Chris. Just sit there. They'll they'll go back and forth. I And, and that right there, honestly, who, who do you get? I don't know. I don't know who uh, the moderators that, 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 that uh, you're going to get that you're going to be completely satisfied with. That's that's why I want to see what the RNC is trying to negotiate. Here. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It seems like the same same old game mm-hmm. done a different way. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. You think as we head into February now with everything going on with the um, uh, classified uh, document scandal with uh, with uh, Biden. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, uh, we read earlier the column in the New York Post from Jonathan Turley uh, on the University of Delaware and the trove of documents that are there yeah. from his Senate years. Right. And if the special counsel... Uh, should be taking over here in the next couple of days. Will they go for all of that? Remember, the story is almost, it's a week old, over a week old. It's like nine, ten days old where the FBI was, that story came out. They were contemplating, yeah, you know, whether to do the searches. There's been nothing on that yet. Why right. not? Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.